This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy-to-use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today. Uh, Before we dive into some really good double strategy uh, that I have for you, I have a couple of quick announcements. Um, One, uh, we just launched our new website finally. Uh, We've been working on it almost six months. And uh, if you're listening to this um, through the uh, podcast player on the website, then you already know. But if you're listening to this on iTunes or Google Podcast or Spotify or something like that, um, definitely go check out the new website. Um, feel free to email me with any uh, any feedback. We're still working out a few kinks and things like that, but um, it, it seems like it is a lot better. Uh, the layout's a lot better. It's a lot better on mobile, things like that. So um, definitely go check it out, thetennistribe.com. And uh, if you see anything that... Um, looks a bit off and you have uh, feedback or even positive feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can always email me at will at the tennis tribe.com. Uh, and then the second announcement is um, not really an announcement, but I've had a lot of people reaching out asking how they can support the show. Uh, you can always go to the website and uh, purchase uh, any of your tennis gear through our gear reviews section. So we have a partnership with Tennis Warehouse uh, if you click on any of the product links that go to Tennis Warehouse, we get a small percentage of the sale, uh, even if you don't buy that product. Um, so that's an easy way to uh, support the show. I'll also include a link to Tennis Warehouse in the show notes that you can buy through um, if you want to shop that way. And it doesn't cost you any extra. Uh, if you went directly to their website, it would be the exact same price for you, but they give us a small kickback, um, which helps support the show. So. Um, anyways, let's dive into some double strategy. So for this episode, I wanted to go through three different examples for matches that I played recently. Uh, one of, uh, the most popular, one of the most popular things that I've done with the newsletter is what's called the point of the week. Uh, and I, um, I'll link to this in the show notes, but what I do during the point of the week is I have a video of a doubles point. It'll be anywhere from USTA 3-0 all the way up to 5-0, and I'll just break the point down strategically. Uh, so I wanted to kind of try to do that in audio format and go through a few things um, that I have uh, made adjustments on in matches that I've played recently. So the first one, uh, if, you, if you're signed up for the newsletter, you probably uh, remember this from a few weeks ago, but I um, ran what's called a shift in baseball, and I kind of took that analogy and ran with it in tennis as well. Um, so what happened was my partner and I were playing against a righty-lefty combo. This was a 4-5 USTA league match in Dallas, and the left-handed player was playing in the ad court, and he loved his cross-court forehand from the ad court. Uh, He uh, beat us in the first few games on a really um, 
really heavy cross-court angle ball. So I return in the ad court a lot of the time. Uh, in this case, I was. And uh, he, we would get to the net, my partner and I would get to the net, and he would hit this short forehand to my left that I just could not get to. Um, he beat us on it uh, several times. A few times I was at the net, a few times uh, I was at the baseline, or uh, maybe I was in the deuce court and my partner was serving in the ad court to him. So we noticed that he really loved that really wide cross-court forehand. Uh, so what we did after the first three games uh, or so, once I noticed that, is I started from the ad court uh, as soon as he wound up for any forehand, as soon as he started to set up for the ball, I just immediately ran to the short corner in the ad court. Um, and what that did is he st- the first few times he still went there, and I had an easy backhand volley that I just uh, put right at the net player, and it, it got by him, and we won the point a few times. Um, then he started to adjust. He lobbed me once, so I had to back off just a little bit. Uh, and then he started to try to play a little bit more down the middle. But my partner uh, shifted over with me, so he was able to cover those balls in the middle. And he just did not want to hit his forehand on the line. He actually, I don't think he did it once in the whole match. Um, so a lot of these tendencies are much easier to find at our level um, at, at 4-5. I've been doing some uh, scouting for a pro doubles team, and it's a lot more difficult to find. Um, but at our level, it's really not that hard to find. So if you can stay observant on the court and figure out which uh, direction the opponents like to hit their forehand, like to hit their backhand, then you can really take that away. Uh, and then once you do, they'll probably make some adjustments, and then you can make adjustments from there. Um, kind of like a chess match uh, is a good analogy. So for me, for example, um, at least a few years ago, the my forehand, I love to hit inside out. So since I returned in the ad court, I would get into, um, you know, if I got into a cross-court rally and didn't get to the net, I was hitting my inside out forehand every time. And I loved that shot. But uh, if people could lob my partner in the deuce court, get me to hit forehands from the deuce court, I made a lot more errors. Uh, when I started playing more singles from uh, more singles last year, when people would rally with me from the deuce court, I made a lot more errors. I was happy to hit my forehand from the ad court, but not from the deuce court. So uh, that's just an example of um, uh, of me having trouble hitting my forehand in a certain direction. Uh, I've since improved that a lot because I knew it was a weakness in my game. But you'll be able to find this sort of stuff uh, with opponents. Uh, they usually will like to take their forehand either cross court or inside out. And then they'll usually like to take their backhand either the same across their body or uh, inside out, um, which would be down the line if if they're in the ad court. So kind of notice those tendencies, um, take that, uh, their favorite option away, make them make an adjustment uh, and make them beat you with that adjustment a few times before you um, go ahead and and make kind of a, a counter adjustment. So Uh, That's a story that I wanted to illustrate. Hopefully uh, that helps you. Um, What I'll see in a lot of matches uh, when somebody keeps getting beat on that is they just get frustrated with themselves when in reality the opponent's just hitting a good shot and they need to make an adjustment position-wise and just take that away. It's it's not that uh, you hit a bad shot. It's that you're allowing them to hit their favorite shot. So we really need to... um, 
kind of stay observant of our opponents on the court and take those things away. So the second thing, uh, and there's going to be three, the second strategic move that uh, I wanted to talk about that happened, I think this was last weekend in a mixed uh, doubles match or maybe two weeks ago. Uh, I was playing a 9-0 mixed match and we were playing against two uh, younger players. One of them, I, th- I think the guy was maybe four years out of college or something like that. And he played for a high level division three program. And then the girl was still in college playing for a college team, um, a smaller college school in Missouri. And uh, if we had played, if my partner and I had played the opponents in singles, we probably both would have lost pretty quickly. Um, they were pretty good singles players. Uh, but this is one of my favorite things about playing uh, younger teams generally. They don't know how to play doubles yet. So um, in this case, uh, my partner told me, hey, get ready. They're going to you know, really unload on my serve. My serve is pretty weak. Um, she, was, you know, she was a better returner. Uh, and better with their ground strokes. Um, but, you know, there's a few ways to handle that. A lot of people would hear that and say, okay, I'm going to just stay at home, kind of cover the doubles alley, and we can get into the point. Now, that's one way I could have handled it. Uh, and then the opponents would have been rallying cross court with her, which, as I said, if we had played either of them in singles, it wouldn't have worked out. Um, but I didn't do that. I kind of took the counterintuitive approach. And because she had a weak serve, I was actually more aggressive at the net. And what that did is it forced tons of return errors. Now I got beat down the line, I don't know, maybe 10 times in the match. Um, It was a lot, but I probably forced 15 or 20 return errors by just moving to the middle early, faking, uh, poaching on balls that, you know, a lot of times i would miss the volley because they would hit the ball so hard, but it was okay because we were forcing enough return errors. I wanted to avoid them being able to get in a a cross-court rally with her. Now, um, in a lot of cases, you know, they would get the return by me. My partner would hit the the serve plus one shot back, and then maybe I'd move on the next ball or something like that. But the point was to not get into cross-court rallies against, uh, against these players. And what should they have done? Well, they couldn't figure it out for some reason, but they, they should have lobbed me. Um, that definitely would have been a good move, uh, but they kept trying to kind of hit out on these returns and trying to beat me down the line, and they just kept missing. So the moral of this story is the, the server's partner, it is their job to figure out how to help out the server most and how to help the server hold most. Um, in this case... I did not want my partner getting stuck in a cross-court rally. It was a bad matchup for her. Uh, On my serve, it was a bad matchup for me, so I served and volleyed. Um, So with that in mind, I had to be aggressive at the net and try to force some of these return errors. Now, uh, if the opponent was a little, um, or if the opponents had thought to lob me or had not tried to hit so hard on some of these returns and started making them in the court, we would have potentially had to make another adjustment. Maybe I would have had to play uh, back on her serve because they were taking me out of the point. Or um, who knows, you know, we'd have to make the next adjustment from there. But the the server's partner, it's their job to figure this out. And uh, 
usually you don't want to ever be less aggressive unless you know that the server can win that cross-court rally. In that case, you can stay home, you can let them rally cross-court, and if you're winning that matchup, keep it going. But other than that, which uh, doesn't always happen in doubles, you really want to figure out how to get yourself involved in the point if you are the server's partner. The third story I want to tell is from that same match. Uh, the The guy had a really good serve. Um, I was returning in the deuce court in this case, and he aced me three, maybe four times in the first several games uh, on his wide serve. So what I see a lot of times when a player is getting beat over and over, and a lot of times it is this wide serve in the deuce court because that's the one that a lot of us have, um, is people will make a small adjustment, kind of shift over a little bit, or maybe as the toss goes up, they'll start to move to their right. But a lot of times they don't they don't move far enough to their right. And, and one of the reasons is it's kind of a comfort zone thing. I, f- I feel like a lot of it's psychological. Um, we don't want to leave an entire part of the court open. Uh, this kind of goes back to the, the first uh, running the shift uh, strategy that I talked about a little bit earlier. You know, in that case, we were leaving the down the line forehand wide open for this left-handed player and said, go ahead and beat us on it a few times uh, before we cover that. You know, and he never did. So in this case, the opponent kept serving wide. He aced me a few times. So eventually what I did is I literally just started with both feet in the doubles alley. Usually for my own return position in the deuce court, I'm starting to the left of the singles line. Uh, Both of my feet are in the singles court. Uh, In this case, I went and moved, shifted a whole three, four feet over. Uh, So both of my feet were in the doubles alley. And I completely gave him the T-serve and said, you know, ace me there a few times. And he he went for it. Uh, I don't think, I think maybe he made one, uh, but he he spun it in. When he hit the flat one, he kept missing it in the net. Um, so I just stayed there in the doubles alley. And eventually he quit trying to go for the T-serve because he kept missing it. And he went back to the wide serve. He still beat me on it a few times. Uh, no more aces, definitely some missed returns, but... I was able to get a few extra free points uh, and get a few more returns in play by making that big exaggerated adjustment. Now, you don't see that level of adjustment in the pro game because the weaknesses are so much smaller. If somebody uh, took that much of the wide serve away from a particular player, you know their T serve's not that bad. Like they're going to be able to make it. But at our level. A lot of players just literally don't have a particular shot. So if you make them hit that shot, uh, they're going to make it or or miss it well over 50% of the time. Um, You know, that's the case for me if I have to hit uh, a backhand down the line from the ad court, for example. Uh, I'm going to miss that 60-70% of the time because it's a shot I just don't have. So um, at at our level, you know, whether you're 3-0, 3-5, 4-0, 4-5, even 5-0, uh, when you're looking for these tendencies, make sure you're testing the opponent's ability to hit every single possible shot, from, whether it's the serve, the forehand, the return, um, a particular volley, whatever it is. And you'll probably find at least one or two that they really like a lot that you need to take away and one or two that they really hate and literally cannot make. If you give them the whole court, they... 
will miss it over 50% of the time and you'll win the match. So really exaggerating your adjustments in a lot of these cases is gonna be a good strategy. Uh, and it'll feel a little uncomfortable and it might look weird, but uh, it will help you win matches for sure. So uh, what I'm gonna do is link to everything I talked about in the show notes. Uh, we actually have a doubles playbook I've mentioned in previous episodes that I'll link to. Uh, you can go to thetennistribe.com slash playbook to get that. Uh, and that talks a lot about making in-match adjustments. Um, it's actually a sheet that you can fill out um, and it has notes on different returns to make the opponent hit and things like that. So uh, check that out um, and I'll link to everything in the show notes. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I'll be getting some more guests on the podcast here soon. Uh, we've just been super busy with the uh, new website launch, which is wrapping up. So uh, thanks again, and I will talk to you uh, next time. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly doubles newsletter. Every Thursday, we send you doubles tips and strategies to help you improve your game and become a smarter player. When you sign up, you'll get a free 10-page guide on how to play with more confidence and dominate at the net in doubles. You can go to thetennistribe.com to sign up now.